Welcome to the Care to Listen podcast, where we interview frontline workers and healthcare experts who will share their stories and passions. This is a podcast to let you know that you're not alone. The goal of this series is to reduce the mental health stigma in healthcare and provide accessible support for caregivers just like yourself. This episode is brought to you by the Care for Caregivers Peer Support Line, Care to Speak. Care to Speak is a peer-based phone, text, and web chat service that provides free and confidential support to health and social support workers in BC. Connect with us Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Text or call 1-866-802-7337 or visit our website by googling Care to Speak to chat with us. This podcast discusses topics that may be triggering for some viewers. Please read the show notes for a detailed description of the topics being discussed. Today's episode is being brought to you on the traditional and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Care to Listen podcast. Today, I'm joined by an amazing guest, Bernard Pipra, clinical counselor, um, psychotherapist, maybe, throw it in there. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show, Bernard. Thank you for having me. So jumping into it right away, I'm curious, you know, who are you, uh, what do you do, and uh, yeah, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Um, I've been practicing as a registered clinical counselor for like officially like the last three years. I've been a counselor for the last like 10 years plus, and um, I'm out in Langley, British Columbia, but I work with people all over the province and even, you know, outside of, outside of BC, which is a really cool thing. So maybe, you know, when it comes back to the work that you've done in healthcare, in 2013, I think you started your career with Fraser mm-hmm, Health. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about what you were doing at that time? Yeah, I, I've always worn a lot of hats. Um, when I started in Fraser Health, I was working as a counselor in psychiatric units, uh, supporting patients that were there, um, getting them in a place of stability, and then reintegration back in the community. But I was also working as a violence prevention um, instructor, which was a really, really cool experience for me because I, believe it or not, I've been, you know, typically, historically, I've been afraid and it's been a struggle to speak in public for me. Hmm. And so I thought, okay, you know, this kind of helps me in two ways. I can work on that side of me outside of like a Toastmasters class, <laughs> which which I still am not sleeping on. Like I'm I'm open for doing that even still. And then the other side was about learning from staff in this huge organization I'm just joining, different things that are going on that are challenging them to show up to work, challenging their confidence, their ability to be their best every day. And so through the violence prevention experience, I was able to really learn about a lot of different industries that I'm, I've, I've never had a chance to work in and the challenges that they face and trying to figure out, okay, from what I know, how can I help them, encourage them to be the best at what they do? And that's been a process I'm still working on and it's not an easy thing to Absolutely. Answer. What are some of those challenges that you're seeing from a healthcare Mm-hmm. Um, provider perspective today? You know, I got family in healthcare. Um, you know, a lot of family have immigrated to Canada. You're trying to find, you know, some stable employment and you find it in healthcare. It's often a steady uh, kind of source of uh, employment. But once you're entering a specific 
area of that. And sometimes for my family, it was like long-term care. Mm -hmm. The challenges that you face on, in that kind of line of work, quite significant. You know, if, if you've ever, you know, had a family member who's had like dementia, for example, and supporting somebody through that, really, really difficult for a, you know, a wide range of different behaviors that you might see from them. A, a lot of not just even verbal, but also physical circumstances that are really challenging to go into day in and day out. Uh, it could wear down somebody quite a bit, support somebody with dementia. And so, you know, knowing that I had family members who are in the, that situation um, was kind of like, wow, that's a that's that's really tough for you to kind of show up and be that person you're supposed to be every day. And I got even further insight once I was a violence prevention instructor about the challenges, about feeling confident going back to work and knowing that there's certain patients that are physically demanding on a lot of staff and knowing how that could be really uh, disenfranchising. That can be stressful, that can wear you down. And what are those staff doing to take care of themselves? And is that possible? And I learned a lot of things, uh, you know, even pre-pandemic, I think the culture of well-being hasn't always been something that's been encouraged, surprisingly enough, in healthcare. And, you know, we've heard this, the horror stories of the mass exodus of different personnel, yeah. um, short-staffed, and it gained to a lot of that trauma that might be brought home to the family in mm. addition to the work that you're doing in serving the patients and your colleagues. So if someone were to start working with you, maybe in more of a counseling position or dynamic, what would that sort of look like for those individuals? How, how do you sort of approach some of those conversations? You know, I, I just try to normalize, um, you know, some of the things that they're going through. Uh, if somebody is coming to me at a place of burnout, it's so understandable, especially in the last few years with, you know, the, the tolls on the healthcare system and so many healthcare workers who are like the core of the healthcare industry haven't necessarily been feeling that way, feeling valued. And I know that I can't do anything to take care of like the, the wages part, which has been really highly publicized and whatnot, but it's about like your well-being. Let's explore the circumstances that have kept you from prioritizing taking care of your well-being. And a lot of that is stigma that has been kind of indoctrinated onto a lot of healthcare workers from like training days about, you know, the, uh, the value of being overworked and being super busy and yeah. how that has been like this thing that's been so alluring for us to adopt. And it's not just particular to like healthcare industry, right? Like we, this culture about like, you know, being so busy and being so tired, exhausted is like a great thing. Yeah, that badge of honor that so many people think and perceive as being success or ways to achieve that success, absolutely. Yeah, and, and so it's about like examining like, okay, so how's that going for you? Like, where did that idea come from that that equates to like, happiness and balance in your life and feeling like you have purpose. And oftentimes, you know, through just having those kind of conversations that unfortunately aren't always encouraged from coordinators or supervisors at work, but for like a myriad of reasons, it's 
pretty discouraged. Um, and I think that that's the first thing that needs to change. I think that a lot of healthcare workers need to be open to supporting one another through acknowledging like, I'm not okay. And like, it's okay to not feel like this in this season because of valid reasons. And, you know, you talk about culture, you talk about the workplace environment and how that sort of shapes and can either lift an individual up or oftentimes take an individual down or amplify some of those challenges. Mm. In particular, we often see individuals thinking that, you know, I'm in this alone or this is my problem mm. alone mm. to solve. So what, from a team perspective, could be done in the healthcare um, industry to support one another? The importance of, you know, starting from the top. So whoever that leader is on that site uh, or that care home, you know, it's, it's, I think it's really important to communicate openly and openly in terms of talking about like the elephant in the room when it comes to challenges that those frontline workers are going through. It's, I think it's very important to acknowledge that, to use the, the frontline workers as a vital part of care planning when it comes to reducing incidents that lead to burnout at the workplace. And without those conversations and normalizing, like, hey, like burnout ha is gonna happen to potentially anybody here if they aren't able to feel supported and valued on at work and outside of work, they're not taking care of themselves or the idea of like, I can't, I'm too busy, life is too overwhelming. And I think, Understanding what self-care is, is the first thing. Because it means something different to you than it does to me. Like Absolutely. What, like what does self-care mean to you? Yeah, so I, I mean, I would frame self-care as taking care holistically of your individual well-being mm. and prioritizing yourself to make sure that you show up in a good, healthy mindset. Right, yeah. And, and so it's, it's so personal. And I think having conversations about like, you know, thinking about what you need to be able to be the best that you can be and what's getting in the way of that. And maybe it's not exactly like an open dialogue, but I think it's about like individually thinking about, okay, what helps you be the best at what you do at work and outside of work? Yeah. Sometimes it's about, you know, feeling supported, feeling valued, uh, having a safe team, having good protocol. And then it's like, okay, what helps you outside of work, that's important. And that's an individual thing. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe I have to have like a equal partnership at home with that, that person I share a home with. Maybe it's about, I need to be like hiking once a month. Maybe it's about going to Pilates class three times a week, like whatever it is, people need to really think about that and then take a step back and assess like, what gets in the way of me doing that? Absolutely. Right, like do, do I not have enough resources? Do I feel like I don't have the time to do that? And how do I break that problem down? You know, speaking from personal experience, I am a completely different person when I get a run in or, mm. you know, go play hoops or mm. go do something physical. If I'm mm. not, don't have that physical outlet, I am not mentally showing up well. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And, you know, I wanted to jump back a little bit to the culture side of things, because as you mentioned, if there are, you know, healthcare industry having lots of different immigrants that are coming into the workplace mm -hmm. and working and bringing whatever culture and normalization of stigma around mental health might be from their pre-existing cultures, mm -hmm. 
how how can we support and reduce that stigma to help people know that there are supports and how have you sort of navigated that aspect of mental health and well-being see and that's a heck of a question because i i think the the mentality that a lot of um new Canadians have when they're working in the healthcare industry is like, I got to keep the lights on. And that means I got to put up with anything that I'm going through at work. And that's such a dangerous mentality. I understand it's unnecessary at times for a lot of healthcare uh, staff, but we need to recognize like longevity is a very important part. Like, are we just living to work? And if that's a major priority, that has a, shorter timeline than a lot of us, you know, believe. And so I I like to encourage those individuals to look at, like, you're part of the system that has protocol, that has safeguards. Are you fully aware of all those important things? Like, have you had the opportunity to recognize your benefits, what you're entitled to, and using your voice and the value of your voice? And so I think that's an important thing that needs to, you know, take off in terms of having conversations around, you know, what you're able to do, what you're able to access and the change that you can make. And it starts with like talking with one person you work with about what's going on, what kind of stress you're under and challenging this idea of like, I need to be like tough as nails all the time. And this permeates throughout healthcare. You know, I've seen this in law enforcement. I've seen a lot of different first responders. Like, I got to be so tough. I got to be bulletproof. I got to be Superman. And the idea behind that is super flawed because you need to be connected. You need to be able to be present and empathetic. And that means you got to also be vulnerable to the challenges in which you are supporting other human beings. So I can't be over here and be like invincible and then trying to be present with like supporting somebody often like intimately and have like such this huge disconnect between myself. Um, I think we have to be able to kind of take the mask off and especially with one another, which is not the easiest thing in healthcare because part of that culture that's also problematic Mm -hmm. too is this like, rivalry between professions that happens within healthcare systems. It could be from coordinator to uh, home support worker. It could be between respiratory therapist and nurse. It could be between social worker and, you know, whomever. It, it, we need to recognize, like, we are all in this together. And especially right now, what's, what's happening at present and the, the multitude of, you know, different specific roles that are facing a lot of shortages it's clear that burnout stress at some point is affecting a wide range of industries. So why why not take a step forward in terms of trying to address the stress by acknowledging that different roles are going through certain challenges, A, and then B, let's try to have real conversations about what's going on and break through this idea that we have to be indestructible at work. And having those real conversations one, you know, helps the individual who's actually bringing forth the challenge or whatever it is mm. that they're struggling with, but also supports the rest of the team because it, it starts to open those conversations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully the individual who you go to is there to support you in a good way. And mm. and sometimes, you know, we've heard 
that, you know, that individual who's often busy might not give you the response that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they might be dismissive. And so if that were to happen, what would you say to that, that individual in terms of, you know, moving to the next person or mm-hmm. trying to solve their problem? Like, what, what would you sort of, how, what advice would you give? Yeah, them? I mean, I, I hope that they wouldn't be discouraged. That not, not everyone's going to see uh, things the way you do, right? Everyone's entitled to have their own lens. If you don't immediately get the kind of validation from reaching out to somebody, know that there are other people that you work with that are going through that. I'd like to, you know, encourage that person to take steps away from like feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm being this disruptor, I'm making too much noise. I'm like, you know, there's a positive from making noise from challenging the systems. Like, actually, that's actually how evolution happens, how things get better by challenging the status quo. No matter what part of the Lower Mainland you're working in, there are other individuals who understand the stress and really challenging circumstances that individuals are going through. So if you go to a colleague who's invalidating about what you're going through, I I would always encourage that person to say, hey, look, that's one person who has their own perspective on what's going on, without a doubt. There are so many others that understand the stresses that you're going through. And that's something I think, you know, when it comes to understanding what supports are available to you, mm-hmm. knowing who are, you know, your people that you can go to and have that safe circle and trust to be able to to share this stuff with um, is just so important and critical for people to have a positive outlet. Um, when it comes to benefits, when it comes to understanding your benefits, conversation we had earlier as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. and oftentimes people just don't know what's mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. So what, what type of advice do you have when it comes to people around understanding, knowing their benefits and what can they do to make advantage or take advantage of all those supports that are available to them? Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with talking about like wellness. Not everybody has this kind of clear understanding of like, what wellness needs to me, what are things that I've you know, actively been doing or things I've been curious about trying out. And I, I talk about, okay, part of the time and the investment that you're giving into this employer provides you with a lot of things to keep you well, to keep you active, to keep you healthy, and the importance of exploring what those different opportunities are. Your benefits are there to help you kind of grow and keep you strong to evolve with the different challenges and the pressures that are going on within the healthcare system. So I really try to encourage like knowledge about talking about benefits, talking with your colleagues about like, what are you doing to keep yourself well? How are you using the benefits that you earn to kind of take care of yourself, to take care of your family? Right. And having those conversations are a good thing because you you can learn a lot about what different people are doing. And I think it's so important towards like your longevity. Right. I I think that the the concept of like, I'm just going to kind of keep going and pushing forward and I'm not, you know, intentionally looking at taking care of myself when I'm off the clock is like a really dangerous mindset. We evolve. Our values evolve from your from your teenage years to your adult years your values change like undoubtedly yeah and then from your young adult years to your mid-adult years your values are going to evolve right life's going to you know change and circumstances happen so we also have to adapt with that so what are we doing to adapt with your evolving values 
a lot of people would kind of sit back and be like, oh, I didn't think about that. You know, or I, I didn't recognize how much my top five values change throughout like my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. And, and am I adapting to that? What are the supports? How do they look differently? Uh, how are my activities outside of work, my recreational activities, my, my hobbies, how are those evolving? And how do the, the benefits that you get through your employment possibly support that? How have you been exploring that or not exploring that? And what, what's behind your not exploring that? And even just he- listening to you today, I mean, I am a big believer in counseling, therapy, um, and I think in especially in today's world where there's so much going on, having that external voice who can support you through different narratives that you consistently tell you, mm-hmm. tell yourself, or coping mechanisms that maybe aren't the most healthy for you, mm-hmm. but to have that open, unbiased, supportive lens mm-hmm. really give you that perspective is something that you know I often encourage people. It's a strength to have that. And if mm-hmm. your benefits support you and enable you to, to make use of that when you need it, it's such a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. We had a, a podcast episode where we were talking about microaggressions in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how that might show up in a healthcare setting or if there's been any experiences that, that you've had either through your work as a facilitator mm-hmm. or through some of the, the counseling sessions that you've given, how that sort of presents itself in the healthcare industry. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think microaggressions are a real part of so many different industries. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's unfamiliar within the healthcare system. And I, I think it's really important to, you know, take time to recognize like, how do you, want people to to respond and see who you are and when that's not happening when you're kind of questioning certain kind of statements that are made towards you i think it's important to kind of call it out i think it's really important to set boundaries of yourself and not feel like oh you know this person said this to me but like i'm in a position of like lesser power so like i gotta keep my mouth shut and just accept that that quickly, as you know, becomes turns into like a, a bullying situation that's going to go from short to long term if we let that happen. And work is stressful enough for a lot of folks. And so I think it's really important to realize what's the better option here? Do I allow this kind of behavior to happen from a fellow employee or do I make things awkward but necessarily balanced and you know safe from it myself by speaking to what's going on and i've been in both positions where i've kind of sat back i'm like oh i'm i feel like i just got here and somebody has kind of taken a step towards kind of letting me know like hey like i got the power here like just to let you know what's up and i'm like hmm okay and you know i think a lot of people kind of have to go through that and deal with that on a regular basis and if you're in a system that allows you to feel as like you know like a valuable member that preaches equity and all that kind of stuff then you need to use that system you need to believe that like you know there's safety around letting someone know like no that's not okay like you've gone out of your way to try to make me feel uncomfortable and I'm not just going to accept that and let that be a part of my life Um, And that takes uh, sometimes counseling. Sometimes that takes encouragement from an employee, from a family member. 
but I think it's just important to talk about these things and realize, you know, these certain sly comments that I'm not sure if that's like a diss and somebody's trying to take a swing at me can be really significant microaggressions that can be a regular part of your life unless you you address it. Uh, and it's important to have the safety to address it. Yeah, and that, I mean, really just creates that toxic workplace environment. Um, doesn't really invite people and, and make it that safe place to have those conversations. And I think, as you mentioned, really important to kind of call that out and, and have those open discussions. I think Ruth uh, Unegbu also shared a little bit about you know, it's this idea of death by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, you might let it slide that one time mm -hmm. and then the second time. And then slowly over time, it just continues to manifest into something much bigger. In a scenario where maybe somebody had the courage and vulnerability to go to a colleague and talk to them a little bit about some of the struggles or something they were going through, oftentimes we hear that that person on the receiving end doesn't think it's their job or responsibility or it's too intimidating or I'm not a counselor. I, mm. I can't really support you. So what are some tips or tools or techniques that you might offer to that individual to support their colleagues? Mm. I, I think it's, I think it's important from the jump to think, okay, look, I don't need to solve all this person's problems. Yeah. But you know, we are in the help, helping industry. How can I, point this person to in the right direction? How can I promote this person's well-being to allow them to be the colleague that I need them to be, to have my back, to be doing well, to keep this program, this unit going in the same way that I'm trying to, right? And I, I think it's about being empathetic towards the fact that a lot of us show up to work and are carrying some heavy emotional baggage. And so first about being in that place of like understanding like, okay, this, this person's going through something right now and maybe I can just point them in the right direction. Maybe I can validate what they're going through and be like, you know, that must be tough. Like, I'm sorry you're going through that. And those words alone are like profound to somebody who's feeling vulnerable enough to be open with somebody and tell them like, I'm struggling right now. Like, I, you know, I'm not motivated. Uh, I'm feeling like I'm burnt out. Like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Just acknowledging, being like, yeah, like I can understand that. Like I felt like that sometimes. And encouraging that person to take different avenues. Like, you know, it's important to, you know, take care of yourself outside of work and maybe chatting with someone like, you know, what are you doing when you're off the clock? Like, how do you unwind? Um, maybe letting the person know, like, you know, I think it's a good time to you to look into, you know, your wellness package and making that a priority for yourself is important. Uh, I think it's encouraging to let them know, like, you know, you're not alone. There's people that you can talk to that can be really helpful. And the fact that if you are struggling, that doesn't mean you are flawed or broken and getting through that mentality of like, you know, I, what I get a lot is if I'm going to therapy, Something's really wrong with me, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, we hear that all the time. And I mean, I know it, it couldn't be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those listeners out there as well, if, if it's not even a counselor or a therapist or you leveraging the wellness package, there is also the Care to Speak line where, you know, there's 24-7 access to other people in the healthcare industry that you can just talk to. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and you know, they understand what you're going through and they might be able to just support you just by providing that safe space. Um, mm. in addition to what might be available in that, that wellness package, mm. the big thing and the big piece that keeps coming up back to me is connection, not comparison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we can increase our ability to connect with one another rather than compare ourselves to one another, that shame, that isolation are really is really being broken down. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can build that teamwork. We can come together to support one another. Mm-hmm. And we can ultimately create these safe places where we all feel supported mm-hmm. and want to show up to work. Mm-hmm. So with that, Bernard, we really appreciate your time here today and wanted to thank you for sharing your experience, your, your guidance, and want to remind everybody that someone like Bernard is out there to support you if you are struggling. Mm-hmm. So thank you for taking the time today, Bernard. We really appreciate you. I appreciate the time. I appreciate everyone, you know, allowing me to have this platform to speak on this important subject and just the work that you guys are doing. It's, it's really important. So I'm, I'm thankful for it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to visit the links in the show notes for more resources and supports for the Care for Caregivers program. If you're interested in sharing your story on the Care to Listen podcast, please reach out to us at careforcaregivers.ca forward slash podcast. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform to be notified of when new episodes are released. Thanks again for joining us and see you next month.